I don't know if you heard about the group of men that were in the golf country club locker room and they were all hanging out in there and getting ready to go play some golf and the phone rang, there was a phone on the bench and the phone rang. And so uh, a particular guy picked it up and put it on speakerphone uh, and uh, there was a lady and she goes, hi honey, you at the, at the golf club? And he said, yes, I am. She goes, well, hey, listen, um, I just happened to be in the store, this particular little store and and uh, I found a $2,000 leather jacket that I'm absolutely in love with. Would you mind if I got it? And he said, oh, no, no, not a problem. If you really want it that bad. She goes, I do. And he goes, well, go ahead. And she goes, well, while I got you on the phone, I, I, I also stopped by the Mercedes-Benz dealership. And there's a beautiful car on the lot that just came in. It's $200,000, but, but, but men, listen, I just am in love with that car. What do you think? He goes, well, if you really want it that bad, go ahead and get it, but make sure it has all the options. She goes, oh, thank you so much. Well, one last thing, honey. He said, what's that? She said, I, you know that house I really love? Well, well J.D. called and said it's back on the market. It's, it's $2.2 million, but, but, but I love that house, honey. He goes, I know you do. Can, I, can, we, can we get it? And he goes, well, I tell you what, offer them $2 million, and I'm sure they'll take it. If not, we'll, we'll, if you really want it that bad, we'll, we'll spring for the extra 200000 She goes, oh, honey, thank you so much. Honey, I love you so much. He goes, well, I love you too. And she hung up. He picked up the phone. He said, anybody know whose phone this is? <laughs> oh, my goodness. He totally messed up somebody's life that day, that's for sure. <laughs> Question for you, have you ever had something happen to you, but you didn't really feel quite ready for what has happened to you? You didn't feel like maybe this was the right time, or you weren't up to par for it, you didn't see it coming, perhaps you didn't feel like you were prepared to handle what was coming your way. Has anybody ever been like that? Raise your hand. Let me see. Okay, I think we're amongst company, good company this morning. We can say that. I was uh, having a conversation with uh, a woman this past week, and, and um, she had a little, like a 20-month-old uh, running around, uh, just going everywhere. And we were trying to have this conversation. The baby was interrupting and, and things were going on. And, and she goes, I, I just want to apologize. I said, well, no, not a problem. No, it's, not, it's no big deal. She goes, well, I, I have a 19-year-old and a 21-year-old and we thought we were done. And all of a sudden, and uh, oops, and uh, so this is what we have. So we're starting all over again. I said, no, not, not a problem. I said, were you ready? She goes, we weren't ready at all. We weren't ready at, at all. Can I just tell you that we've been in a series called To the Other Side. We've been talking about transitions. And sometimes transitions come and you're just not ready. Here's what I know to be true. That you do not pick transitions, but transitions pick you. Turn your neighbor and tell them transitions pick you. Come on. <laughs> That's right. You didn't decide it was the right time for that car engine to blow up on the side of the Foley Beach Express. You, it wasn't up to you to decide what parents you were going to have. Transition picked you. It wasn't up to you and you didn't decide what year you would be born and you didn't pick the time for a new roof to be put on your house. Transition picked you. Come on, somebody say Sally. <laughs> you didn't decide 
what neighbors you would want to have. No, the neighbors picked the house and transition picked you. You don't pick transitions, transitions pick you. And when the transitions come into your life, guess what? You just got to go with it. You just got to go with it and you have to trust God in it and you have to say, yes, Lord. Yes, I'm going to go with this because I'm going to believe in, that I'm walking in your path, that I am the steps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord and, and you're guiding me. And so I'm just going to, I didn't see this one coming. I didn't, wasn't, didn't think I was ready for it, prepared for it, but I, I'm going to follow your lead and I'm going to trust you. And I'm going to believe some good things are going to happen. In fact, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 1 verse 20, for no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. In other words, God is bringing us into our promises, or let's put it like this, promised land for today's message's sake, and we step out into it and begin to co-labor with it. God says, yes, this is you, and we say amen as we walk into it. God says, this transition's come, and it's, I brought it into your life. You need to say yes to it. I mean, I'm going to say yes to it, and you need to say amen into it. And so what we do is we co-labor with God to bring about things in the earth by faith that he's put in front of our lives. Can you say amen to that? Amen. So let's look at Joshua chapter 3 verses 9 through 13 and 15 through 17 as our text this morning. Joshua said to the Israelites, come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. This is how you will know that the living God is among you and that he will certainly drive out before you the Canaanites the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Gigashites, the Amorites, Jebusites, the Bug Bites, the Cellulites, the Bud Lights, the Egg Whites, the Bob Whites. Come on, they're all yours. Come on, somebody. You can have them all. And so see that the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of all the earth will go into the Jordan ahead of you. Now then choose 12 men from the tribes of Israel, one from each tribe, and as soon as the priests who carry the Ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, set foot in the Jordan, its waters flowing downstream will be cut off and stand up in the heap. And now the Jordan was at flood stage during his harvest, and as soon as the priests who carried the ark reached the Jordan, their feet touched the water's edge, the water from the upstream stopped flowing and piled up in the heap a great distance away to a town called Adam in the vicinity of Zarethan. That's a whole other message. While the water flowing down at the Sea of Arabah, that is the Dead Sea, was completely cut off. So the people crossed over opposite Jericho, and the priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stopped in the middle of the Jordan, stood on dry ground, while all Israel passed by until the whole nation had completely completed the crossing on dry ground. This morning I want to give you five demands that you will experience in the middle of transition. Five demands that you will experience in the middle of transition. Number one, transition demands supernatural strength and energy from your life. Transition will demand supernatural strength and transition, I mean strength and, and power and energy from your life. Because the reality is transition usually brings weariness, doesn't it? <laughs> oh my goodness. Trans have you ever had to move and go some, you know, move from a house to another house? Transitions usually come when you feel worn down. You're, you're worn out. You're, you, you've been working hard. You've been faithful. You haven't seen much change. You feel spiritually exhausted. You're mentally spent. You feel emotionally drained. 
And God says, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to transition you now. I, you've loaded up the U-Haul, the rider truck. You, it's all loaded up. And, and now you've got to travel a long ways. And then you're going to unload. And oh, it's just exhausting. Somebody say, it's exhausting. I, in fact, they, they did a, a research, 31 million people move every year. 31 million people move every year. It's an $86 billion revenue for moving companies. The average person will move 12 times in their lifetime. In fact, there are more storage units in the United States than there are McDonald's and Starbucks combined. That's a lot of junk in people's place of storage. Now, you, you, I'm sure yours isn't junk, but not everyone else, I'm sure it is. <laughs> out of sight, out of mind. But have you, have you ever had to just, just be in, on the move? And the Israelites have been moving for 40 years. They were exhausted. In fact, they, they're, they, they literally are dead tired. They are so tired they died. All, the, whole, the whole generation of them. They're exhausted. They've been moving around place to place setting up a tent, pulling down the tent, setting up the furniture, pulling down the furniture, moving a couple miles down the road to the next desert place, setting it up, tearing it down. They have really spent themselves and they've been now told they're going into their promised land. And they're like, oh, I'm so tired. I'm moving. I don't, I don't know if I have the energy to go into the promised land. Then, and then Joshua says, you all need to gather your provisions for the next three days. You need to figure out what you're going to take in and leave behind. How many know that's exhausting? My wife says, we need to figure out what we need to keep, what we need to see. She, she's a chunker. I'm a keeper. And for her, it's no problem throwing things away. For me, I see value in everything. An old hubcap, we can keep that. An old license place, we need that. For what? I don't know, but we're going to probably need an old license plate sometime down the future. I see it in my future. It's coming. How many, how many keepers we have in the house? Raise your hand. How many chunkers we have in the house? You're probably married, right, to each other. I'm sure you are. And so they've been traveling all this time, and they're exhausted. And the Bible says that we should not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Now, this word weary is an incredible word. It actually means to literally be utterly spiritless. To be utterly spiritless. When, when, when your spirit is dried up, that's when you are weary. But you will not be weary, here's the good news, if you keep your spirit built up. So he, we can say, we can be told, do not be weary. In other words, do not let your spirit get drained because if you'll just keep your spirit up, if you'll just live out of the overflow, then in due time, you will reap a harvest. And I believe that's to be true. Do you believe that? See, the key is to come to me, the Bible says, Jesus said, all you who are weary and are burdened, and I will give you rest. He will fill you up and he will continue to give you the strength for the transition that you're about to make. Your soul may be weary, but Jesus will restore your energy. I know there's some people in this house that you're just weary. Bless your heart, you're just tired. You're just exhausted. Well, guess what? If you pump that spirit up, 
then, then it affects everything. It affects your mind. It affects your emotions. It affects your decisions that you make. It's the Spirit. The Bible says in Psalms 92, you can read it later, that if we'll praise the Lord with music and lift it up to the Lord praise, then the righteous will flourish. It even goes on and says that even in your old age, you'll bear fruit and you stay fresh and green. That, that's exciting. Worship will restore your battery. Praise restores your battery. I was, I was um, talking to somebody the other day, and uh, I said, man, you know, every year I go to mow my grass, we ride a lawnmower. I said, that stinking battery, it's always drained. It's always, you know. And he goes, brother, what you need is a battery maintainer. I said, yeah, I'd like to have someone maintain my battery. He goes, no, you can... You, there's such a thing. I said, what? He says, a battery maintainer. I said, what are you talking about? He goes, you can go down to AutoZone and buy you a battery maintainer. Now, some of you guys probably known this for years. I just found out about this. I said, there's a battery. He goes, yeah, it's just a little trickle. Just comes in and just all year long, plug it in the wall, just plug it into your ba- onto your battery, clamp it on there, and all your, it's gonna, you'll, go, you'll have a brand new battery all the time. It's a battery maintainer. I'm like, I'm out of here. I'm going to go find me a battery, and I got a battery maintainer. In my garage right now, I have a battery maintainer. I think we need a spiritual battery maintainer sometimes, you know what I'm saying? And guess what? Here's the good news. You got one. It's called Jesus. It's called the Holy Spirit. And all you got to do is cl- just clamp that thing in onto your, cell, you know, onto your ears, however you want to do it, you know? Uh, just clamp. We, I, I need to invent a spirit maintainer, a spirit battery maintainer with clamps on it. And, and I think I'll be a millionaire. I, we need to maintain our strength for the transitions that God is bringing us. Number two, transitions demand that we look for help. Now Joshua heard from the Lord, hey, you got to enter into the promised land. Well, guess what? He, he can't do that on his own. And, he, and all the people really like, who is this guy? What he needed was he needed some help. He needed some leverage. He needed somebody on his side that would help him get this accomplished. So he solicits the help of the Levites, the priests of the day, the religious gentlemen. He goes to them. Perhaps he has a meeting with, you know, the leaders of the Levites and goes, guys, here's the deal. I believe God's told me we need to go. Let's go. And, and, and I need you to help me lead the way. I need you to, to pre- help me prepare the, the, the way for us to go into the promised land. And I believe that every transition needs somebody in your, in your life. You need somebody to help you make it to the other side. It's called a midwife when you're pregnant, but you need, it's called a coach in life. It's called a, a spiritual mentor is another word. You need somebody in your life that can speak into you the things that you need to hear to make it through the transition that God's bringing you through. I mean, Ruth had Naomi, Elisha had Elijah, Timothy had Paul, the disciples had Jesus. It, it, it just makes sense that you bring somebody into your corner that will help you make the transition to the other side. If you, if you, everybody should have somebody on speed dial on your phone that in a moment's notice, when things are tough and you don't know exactly what to do, you can call them, they can pray with you, they can talk you through this thing. And most of these people have already been where you're at right now. So you need to find someone that's already been where you're at right now. 
Why go through something on your own when there's so many people have already been there? Just solicit there. It's called humility. Reach out, call somebody, ask someone, talk to them, and say, I need, I need your help. I mean, I'm not beyond going to somebody and giving them $100 for wisdom because they've been through there. Can I, give a, can I have 30 minutes of your time, give you some money just, just to speak to me and help me, coach me through this season of my life? You need people in your life. Transition requires that in your life. Number three, transition demands that I take the first step. The, the, the Joshua says to me, he says, look, here's the deal. If we're going to go, guys, priests, I need you to lead the way, all right? And, and, and God wants you to lead the way, and here's what's going to happen. You, you need to put this ark on your shoulders, and you need to walk out in the middle of this flooded river, okay? Um, so I can see these guys. Can you see it? They got the ark. They're holding a gun on their shoulders. There's four of these guys plus others, perhaps some, some singers, perhaps some worshipers, and they're walking along, and there's the river. Right there's the river, and they're like... Um, So uh, what, what, what are we supposed to do? Go to the other side. Okay. Uh, when? Now? Uh, all right. And so they put their foot into the water. And their feet got wet. And their bottoms of their robes got wet. We don't know how far they went into the river the flooded river before it began to separate. We know it separated. We know eventually they were on dry, dry ground, but, but the Bible implies that, that they got their feet wet first and then things started opening up. You see, what God requires from us is that he's looking for a wet feet church. Uh, the, the, everything doesn't have to make sense right now. I, all we know is we got a word from God. God told us to go this way, and he told us to go with faith, and that he'll work it all out, and so we're going to do that. So we're just going to believe God, and, and woo, it sure is cold, and it sure is wet, and, and oh, what's happening here? Uh, what, what? It looks like it's clear in front of me. Well, I'll take a step. Oh, look what's happening. And, and next thing you know, this whole thing is separated, but it takes faith. You got to take the step first. God is waiting for you to take the step first, and He will honor your faith. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, get your feet wet. Come on, just go ahead and step on in and get your feet wet. And number four, transitions demand focus. We talked about focus here a while back, but. The Bible told him, when you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the priests carrying it, then you are to move out from your positions and follow it. And then you will know which way to go since you've never been this way before. Now, these Israelites had two choices. They could stand there on the riverbank and they could go, oh, that's a big, big flooded river. Or they could look at the priests carrying the Ark in front of them and they could keep their eyes on the ark. I think it's important to realize that when you're in transition, there's certain things that you have to focus on. For the, for the Israelites, they had to focus on the presence of God, the ark of God. 
That's what the ark represents, the presence of God. Let me say it like it represents the peace of God. It is absolutely mandatory that you keep your eyes and your senses and your spirit on peace when you're walking through transition. If you don't have a peace, then that transition, you need to step back about a little bit from this thing because probably something's not right. You, you, there's always a peace. When God's leading you into something that he is opening for you, there is always a peace. And you have to focus on that peace. It is a priority in your life because if you focus on the peace of God, then God will focus on the provision. God makes provision for those that focus on the peace. And so they, they, they kept their eyes on the ark. <laughs> now, I, 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 for one would have been that guy focusing on a... So imagine with me, you're walking and, and there's, there's this, this flooded river and um, coming from this. So the flood's on the right-hand side of you and on the left side is really nothing there because the water's just kind of drained out and there's nothing. But the water's, the Bible says it's piling up. It's getting bigger. The first ones, it wasn't that big. But now, you know, three million people, you know, several hours later, this water is now piled up perhaps, you know, 10 stories high. They're walking through this dry riverbed. And on, on the left is muddy, but this path is dry. And there's, there's the priest right up ahead with the Ark of the Covenant on their shoulders standing there and you're walking along and, and, and you just caught your eyes on the Ark. You're not looking at this wall right here. You, just, you got your eyes on the Ark, looking at the Ark, watching the Ark. Got my eyes on the Ark. You keep walking and walking. Keep your eyes on the Ark. Keep your eyes on the peace. Keep your eyes on the Spirit of the Lord. Keep your eyes. And, and, and all this stuff, if you look here, it's going to scare the snot out of you. You're going to be saying, is this really happening? I see a fish. I feel like I'm in an aquarium. There's like a turtle, right? There. What in the world? This is nuts. What am I doing in the middle of a flooded river? This is getting higher and higher. I'm out of here. No, you got to keep your eyes on the ark. You got to keep your eyes. If you keep your eyes on Jesus, you'll keep your peace. Do not let anything steal your peace. God's out in the middle. You know what? God's always out in the middle of the flood, isn't he? He just goes out and stands in the middle of a flood and says, come on, come join me. <laughs> That's when you know God's in it. This makes absolutely no sense at all. This is absolutely an impossibility. Yes, it is an impossibility. And God is in impossibilities. And number five, transition demands conflict. Oh, I've been waiting for this one right here. There's always a giant connected to your promise. Oh, that was good, Pastor. Say that one again. I really like it. Let me just soak on that one for just a moment. There's always a giant connected to your promise. If there's a promise that God's given you, I promise there's also a giant standing next to it. In fact, the Bible says that they go through the other side and there's seven nations, seven different people groups settled, have homes, have walled cities, have 
farms, have families, have neighbors, and they're all settled in just waiting for you. You've been wandering around the wilderness. You're tired. You just walked through a flooded river. You don't even know how you even made it. You're standing on the other side, and all you see are seven nations, seven giants. Each nation, big giants in each one. How, can I tell you, here's the good news. A giant is your doorway to an opportunity. If there's a giant there, baby, you have an opportunity. You, you, you want to go where there's the giants. The giants eventually will look small to you. You know why? Because God is making you larger than the giants. Here's, the, here's some more good news. It's, if it's bigger than me, then it's the Lord's battle. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? If it's bigger than me, then God's going to have to do this because I sure can't do this. So I'm going to have an opportunity to see God show up in an incredible way because I've been following him. He's leading me into my promise. He's leading me into the, the, the things that he's given to me, promised to me, spoken to my life prophetically. And so the size of the opponent now is working something bigger inside of me. The bigger the opponent, the more God's working something bigger inside of me. And if the enemy is that big, then guess what? The promise is bigger. Oh, you look big. Oh, but that promise on the other side is bigger. And here's the other thing. You just don't jump into God's promises. You got to grow into them. You can't get upset because God prophetically said something to you, promised something to you, you felt like it was the word of the Lord, and it hasn't happened tomorrow or next week or even maybe next year. You grow into the promises of God. I, prom I tell you, I can guarantee you, there's things I can handle today that I could not have handled 20 years ago. There's things in your life that you can handle now that you couldn't handle 30 years ago, five years ago. You look at your kids and they're like, I can't handle this anymore. You go, son, just suck it up. Come on, grow up. What are you talking about? That's nothing. Wait till you get to be where I'm at. If the enemy is that big, then I have to believe there's something bigger than that. So I'm going to have a little fun. So you got to imagine the Israelites, they're coming through, they're coming through the, the, the water and they're on dry ground. And they're like, oh man, this is amazing. God is so good. God is amazing. God, look what God has done. And they're like, oh, thank you, Lord. You brought us to our promised land. And they came walking into their promised land. And they get to this guy right here, the Gergeshite. Would you stand in your feet for me, brother? <laughs> Dude, Father, God, this is a... This is, a, this is a big guy. You didn't tell me the Gergeshites would be this big, and he looks battle-tested. I don't know if I can take on this Gergeshite, God. Oh, no, no, you have to understand, JP, the promise is bigger Amen. than the Gergeshite. The Gergeshite, I'm with you. I brought you this right. You, don't you have a piece? Yes, I have a piece. Then take on the Gergeshite. And I'm not going to take you on, brother, because 
I don't want to take you down. You know what I'm saying? I, I, I don't want to mess you all up. But, so, but, so, but come on, man. Come on. Thank you, bro. Thank you. And so you're like, wow, we got through the Gergesites. Well, thank you, Father God. You are so amazing. You're so good. Well, we're just going to enjoy the blessings of God. And next thing you know, you come right up into the Canaanites. And you're like, he's a, he's a little bit bigger than the Gergeshite. <laughs> what, what do these people eat over here in this, this promised land? I, I don't think we ever had anything like that over there. Let me just say, he, he looks like a trainer. He looks like a Canaanite trainer. In fact, let me give you a little innocent plug. He is a trainer. If you need to become a Canaanite, this is your man right here. <laughs> and so you, you say, well, God, but God... I believe you, and I believe that even though I may look small in the physical, I do believe that you are bigger than any obstacle in my life. The promise is always bigger than the person or the entity or the obstacle. The promise in God is bigger. And so you go to war, and so I, I'm not going to mess with you, bro, because I don't want to hurt you. Come on. Bless you, man. Yeah. You're like, you know what? I'm starting to get used to this. I think God's big. God's good. God can, God can do anything. He's a, he's a God of the impossible. I'm starting to believe God for great things. And then you come. <laughs> to the Jebusite. <laughs> Dude. God, the Jebusites. No one has ever beaten the Jebusites. You read your Bible, they maintain Jerusalem. Israel occupied everything around, but no one could remove the Jebusites. There's always that one last giant in your life, isn't there, Norm? It's just one last giant. It's always the big one. <laughs> the tough daddy one. The one that you, you dream about overtaking, but... And sometimes you have some success and other times you don't. It's like the guy, he went to the doctor, he goes, Doc, I am hurting all over my body. Everywhere in my body, I'm hurting. Everywhere I touch myself, I'm hurting. He goes, well, touch your knee. He touches his knee. Oh, my goodness, that hurts so bad. Touch your elbow. He touches his elbow. Oh, it hurts. He goes, you dummy, you got a broken finger. <laughs> There's always that one thing, right, in your life that you can't seem to overcome. But I have to believe, I have to believe that if the God delivered me through the Girgashites, and I didn't think he could, but he did because I stayed faithful. And if God delivered me through the Canaanites and I didn't think he could, but I remained faithful and I kept my peace, and I have to believe the same God that did that, that did that can do this. And even though I hear the Jebusites in my ears saying, come on up, even I, you, we can take you on with our blindfolds on. With, we, can, we can put our hands behind our back and still beat you. Even though you're hearing all these things saying this is so impossible to do, there's no way in God's creation that this could ever happen except God. That's when God steps in and goes, yes, it's me. It's always me and nothing but me. The promise is always bigger than the, than the person in front. And so they take on the Jebusites and, sorry, bro, but you had to go down. <laughs> Love you, brother. So the question is, 
what, what, what giant is going on in your life? What is the giant that you're facing in your life? What are the things that are holding you back from walking into the thing, the calling, the purpose that God has had for you for years? What are things are you avoiding? What things are you stepping around that God, and you keep coming right back to it and God says, you're gonna to have to go through this. You, you can overcome this habit. You can overcome this addiction. You can overcome this situation. You, you can do this through me, not in your own strength, but through me. I believe there's some people in here that have had some giants in your life. And I believe there's some people in this room right now that could probably would say with me, there's a giant I'm, I'm facing right now. If you're facing a giant in your life, I want you to stand with me right now. Come on, stand with me to your feet right now. Amen. Amen. Man. Even the giants are standing. The giants, they're like, yeah, I'm, I'm in my own life. Oh, God's good. I want to say a prayer. I want to say a prayer right here for you. I, I want us to believe. I want us to believe that 2021, year transition, that thing that is, that Jebusite, that thing that's always been hanging around, Come on, guess what? God's going to take you out of that. He's taking you out. He's, he's got, in fact, what they've occupied is what you're going to occupy. <laughs> they've been occupying, they've been trespassers on your property, on your land all this time. They've been squatting and it's now yours. Do you have faith to believe? Can you believe that with me this morning, church? Come on, can you believe that through, through a prayer today, we mark it in the sand, we're going through to the other side? Come on, do you believe that? You really believe that? Yes. Father God, right now in the name of Jesus, lift your hands with me. Father, right now in the name of Jesus, we declare that Lord, the enemies are your enemies and they are now ours to be had. We thank you that you brought us to this place, showed us an incredible miracle by walking through a flooded river on dry ground with your presence. And Lord, you have brought us to this place where there's an obstacle, there's a mountain, there's a situation that absolutely looks impossible. But Lord, if you did it in the river, then, and if you did it with the Gergeshite, and if you did it with the Canaanite, Lord, and you did it with the Jebusite, and you can do it right here, right now, what I'm going through, because you are that big, you're that glorious, you're that powerful. So we give it to you right now. We say, God, come, our life is yours. We humble ourselves before you and take, Lord, the wheel, take our lives, take, Lord, our destiny, and we give you, Lord God, by faith, Lord, all that you brought us into, in Jesus' name, amen and amen.